Welcome to the Novi Young Adults Podcast. Our goal is to encourage and equip young adults to live in the fullness of what God has for them. This week, Pastor Spencer sits down with Pastor Austin White from Moncton Westland to talk about the importance of mental health and his own personal journey. Well, welcome, Nova. We are back with our third episode of the Nova Young Adults Podcast. I am here with my good friend, Austin White, Pastor Austin White. And uh, I'm going to let him introduce himself in just a second. But over the last few episodes, the last little while at Nova, we have been talking about what it means to be and what it looks like to be a healthy follower of Jesus Christ. And we're looking at that from different perspectives of emotional health, uh, physical health, spiritual health, and how all those things kind of tie in together. So um, before we get a little bit serious, I'm going to kick things over to you. And yeah, Austin, who are you? What do you do? Uh, well, who's your favorite preacher? Who's my favorite preacher? You are. So, uh, no. I thought you were going to say Joel Osteen. Uh, well, he's up there. Probably top top 10. I mean, we're I'd pretty say. similar though, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, same, uh, cut from the same cloth. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Exactly. No, uh, like you mentioned, my name's Austin. And um, I don't know a little bit about me. I grew up in Halifax. A lot of people assume either I grew up in Moncton or I grew up in the States. I uh, always think the States. Yeah. I mean, in the back of my head, I know that you grew up in it's Halifax. the accent, you know. But for some reason, I always just like tie you into the States. Yeah. So f- funny story on that. Uh, when I when I was a, uh, like just a young teen, I worked at Caton's Island, which isn't too far from here. So about 10 years ago. And I had a parent who insisted on the fact that I wasn't from Canada. So we were talking. And, and that's and, even before you went to the States? Yeah, this was, like, I was 13 years old oh, at the time, right. like 13 or 12 years old. Yeah, yeah, And this guy was from Carlton County. So he was like, so where are you from? And I said, from Halifax. And he said, what about originally? I was like, I- I'm from Halifax. He's like, no, where were you born? And I'm like, Fredericton. And he's like, you weren't born in Australia? And, and he's like, he was convinced that I was from Australia. So, That's hilarious. Uh, not born in Australia, but okay. born in Fredericton, grew up I mean, in Halifax. I could kind of see the Australia thing. And I don't know. I wasn't I don't even know playing why, rugby, but I don't even know. Like, I don't even know if I know anyone from Australia. But it, it might be the rugby thing. But I wasn't playing rugby at the time, so okay. maybe it was just a calling. I don't yeah, know. Maybe yeah. I'm supposed to go there. Maybe it's prophetic. I don't know. So born in Fredericton, I'm a pastor's kid. So grew up hopping around a little bit. But then my dad settled at uh, Saffle Wesleyan Church in Halifax, okay. and spent my entire kind of. Uh, developing years like as a kid and uh in a young teen I spent it there and then went off to uh, Kingswood University for a couple years halfway through my stint at Kingswood moved out to South Dakota and got married to my wife Jess um we spent three years out there at a church called Celebrate Church and, and learned a ton from them they had a a church planting residency program that we were a part of oh, and cool. just trying to learn as much as we can and just soak it up and enjoy our time out there um our fun fact out there is we went to 15 zoos in three years. Wow. So we uh, we really got some travel in while we were out there. So now you have a zoo at your house. Yes, it's true. We is that like tied to that whole season of life or no? That's that's just a whole other rabbit trail, you know? We, <laughs> okay. I, when, whenever uh, I find, especially when I'm doing like kids ministry, yeah. uh, kids sometimes struggle to remember my name. So I'm li- like, listen, if you forget my name, that's okay. But just remember Austin. And his wife, Jess, own a hobby farm, and we have over 70 animals. And it keeps growing. When I first said that, it was over 40 animals. But then you hatch, and you, uh, wow. like, we hatch quails, chickens, ducks. Man, because when I was at your place, I don't, there was no way there were 70 animals there. was, like, there. 20 at that point. So oh, just, wow. <laughs> it's kind of so like the loaves like, and the fish, you know? Oh, dude, I got to come check out your new spot. Well, listen, we just moved out to uh, north and west of Salisbury uh, 10 days ago, 10, 11 days ago, and... Uh, 
So yeah, it, it truly is the funny farm at this point. Like nice. it, it used to be just kind of a manageable f- hobby farm in Shediac, but there's chickens all over our lawn as we speak. I promise you. Amazing. So, yeah, so what do you do for work? Uh, I work at uh, the Moncton Wesleyan Church. I am their youth and young adult pastor. And uh, typically I preface that with I'm their youth and young adult pastor, uh, or at least I try to be. Fair. So I do both youth and young adults as well as I'm on their uh, preaching team. But it, that's it's not quite as serious as it sounds. Um, we have a big <laughs> team of pastors who, who preaches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then as well, uh, I do a lot of stuff volunteer-wise. Uh, uh, with rugby in the community. So I also do some stuff with rugby uh, in New Brunswick and Moncton High School rugby. And as well, I also work for a guy named Dr. Buckingham and do his uh, his marketing and communications, which what's fun is I've actually been doing that longer than I've been a pastor. That is he, funny. Uh, he asked me to do that when I was 19, no, 18. Oh, wow. And now I'm 26. So we've just Whoa, been- Whoa, I uh, did not- Buckingham's been rocking that leadership thing for that long? 10 years, and I, I joined him two years into it. So, uh, ldbuckingham.com. There, there we go. There you go. A little plug. <laughs> He'll appreciate that for sure. Yeah, yeah no, but yeah, I've been doing that for eight years, and that's been a ton of fun. And he's been a huge part of uh, not only leadership-wise, but just spiritually. Like yeah. He has been a huge mentor and pastor and shepherd in my life. And that's a side of Dr. B that that's so awesome for me. For those of you that are listening to this, a lot of people have heard uh, Dr. Buckingham preach, but if you haven't, you got to YouTube him and he just, he has the energy. I remember, um, I don't know, it's maybe five, six years ago. I was on a planning committee for the greater Moncton mayor's prayer breakfast event that they would do every year. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of like non- church people would come to that politicians and whatever. And I mean, most of the political leaders in our area aren't Christians, so they would be at it. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a businessy formal thing, whatever, like it's, it's good. But I I remember the last time he came up and he was just like, he's like, you're on the planning committee. Right. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I just started, you know, it's my second year on it or whatever. And he's like, next year, he's like, you guys got to preach the gospel. The preach, the gospel needs to be preached at this event. You, he said, I'll do it if you want me to do it. But next year it needs to be done. And I'm dude, I agree, man. That's amazing. But he just has such a heart for winning the lost day. Like that's classic Buckingham. And uh, anyway, the next year COVID came, so we didn't get a chance to do it. Dang. So it's been delayed, but you still need to preach the gospel at this prayer. Absolutely. It's going to happen. That's awesome. 100%. And and listen, I mean, one of the things that I so loved about my time in the States is we got to see that in action, right? Yeah. Like we would do these uh, quote unquote secular uh, breakfasts and they would invite faith leaders throughout the community uh, to come and and you'd be able to to just share the good news in, in a really accessible way. And I, I remember one time we were in this big conference center and all the business leaders from not, not just Christians, yeah. but from all around Sioux Falls, 2000 of them in this conference center. And my lead pastor uh, or somebody affiliated with my church got to go up That's awesome. and I'll never, I'll never forget that moment because yeah. he just got to share it with 2000 people. And, and, uh, it's not about the numbers. It's just about the impact. Like yeah. it was so cool. Yeah. Uh, and, and I mean, you, you hear those stories in the States, it's a little tougher up here, but yeah, for sure. anyway, it is what it is. Right. Yeah. So just, just an FYI for you, Spencer. I mean, you've heard me say it before. I get 10 times more nervous, uh, at least 10 times more nervous podcasting versus preaching. Oh like when, yeah. Absolutely. When people ask me to host, uh, MC weddings, pot, like whatever they ask me to do, I'm a nervous wreck beforehand. Whereas preaching, I just, I, I have a ball. Like I hear you. Well, yeah. anytime you're on video, video yeah. is like, I mean, even preaching, n- man, but not like, I mean, preaching and you're on video, it's, you kind of like, kind of forget, but when yeah. you have no audience other than a camera yeah. to me, that's like, 
that's what becomes challenging. Part of it is you're really intimidating. You're you're an intimidating figure. <laughs> well, I mean, those legs of yours are intimidating me. Oh, right now, well, so. listen, I uh, I thought it would only be the uh, upper half of me here, so <laughs> so I did not come prepared for a uh, podcast. With Austin Spencer and I Mason, just came from the gym, you. so you know we're just. We just came as we are, right? Like yeah, it's yeah. it is what it is. Absolutely. But anyway, great intro. Yeah. Now that good. we're you know rolling with stuff, so I I really wanted to have you on. Well, first of all, you came and preached for us um, at Nova a few weeks back, and um, really touched on you know mental health in a lot of ways, and um, this is a fantastic service that we had. But I wanted to kind of have the follow up conversation with you, um, kind of through this medium on the podcast where we could have a bit more of a casual conversation, but I really want to hear your story. Um, we've talked a little bit about this, but limited. Um, and so this is just wide open for you to share what you feel like you want. Um, you know, you don't have to go into details, but I'm just interested in your journey of walking through, you know, maybe some mental health things and what came around that, but not necessarily, um, focused on specifically what happened, but how you walked through it. Yeah. And how you came out of it. Um, one of the points in your sermon was was basically along the lines of good mentality comes through Jesus. And so, like, that's a profound principle that we believe in, that we know. Um, but I think as you talk about your story, we'll see how practically that kind of actually plays out. So, yeah, I'll just kick it over to you to kind of tee that up a little bit. Um, I don't even know when it was. I don't know what was going on in life there. But yeah, just fill us in a little bit on what your journey was like. Yeah, absolutely. And um, no, and, and what I'll do is I'll feel free to uh, just share. And, and I mean, th this applies for you. This applies to anybody listening. Like I, I just try to be really uh, as transparent as I can be. Yeah, we appreciate uh, that. And, uh, and, and I mean, listen, like for you to ask questions or for people to email me or message me on Facebook or whatever and ask questions, like I think that the more that we can have a conversation around mental illness and mental health, the better we can get as a body as a church, as friends, as gym partners, because uh, for so long there was stigma and shame. Yeah. And I would even, almost even go so far as to say condemnation and not necessarily from within the church, but just a, a feeling and a sense of condemnation of like, oh my goodness, yeah, I'm depressed. Yeah. I, I can't tell anybody because what if they think I'm not spiritual? What if they think that I'm not praying enough? What if they think I'm not filled with the spirit uh, because of, of what I'm going through chemically in my brain. Absolutely. So, yeah. Uh, for my story, I mean, uh, like I mentioned, I, I don't share this with everybody, but, uh, I'm 26 years old. Uh, and, uh, either that comes as a surprise of like, Oh, I thought you were way older. And then some people think I'm way younger. It just depends on how I'm acting the day, <laughs> I guess. So that being said, 26 years old, I was diagnosed with bipolar one disorder. Uh, at the age of 20 years old, so it's been six years walking with that uh, diagnosis. And some people correct me, and they say, "Austin, it's not, it's not bipolar one disorder; it's bipolar one syndrome." And I'm like, "Well, no, actually, like the what's the difference between those two terminology?" Sometimes in, in our climate in 2023, people are like, "Well, don't call it a disorder." I'm like, "Well, well, that's what medicine calls it." Right. So, and and I'm not ashamed of the fact that. And why would syndrome make it? Any better? Yeah. Uh, sometimes there's stigma surrounding uh, it's a syndrome versus a, it's a okay. disorder. For instance, I mean, um, some of my friends who might have uh, neurodivergent syndrome, they would prefer it being called neurodivergent syndrome versus neurodivergent disorder. So it's kind okay. of semantics, if that makes Interesting. sense. Interesting. Yeah. No, I didn't I know that that was a debate, but yeah. I, I see, I guess. So. And, and it's tough because it's individualized. Like That's sure. why I think it's so important when we're talking to people just to listen first, talk later. Um, especially as pastors, right? Cause we can like, whether it's pastors, leaders, volunteers, church people, whatever, 
if when we're talking to people in the community, if we can listen to them first and see what language they're using, imagine how much more we'll be able to connect with them and love them on an individual basis, not just how we think that they need to be loved. So that being said, I'm really intentional with calling it a disorder because mm-hmm. I, I just want to destigmatize that yeah. language as, yeah, as part absolutely. of it. So sure. bipolar one disorder, there's a lot of, uh, uh, there's a lack of clarity in our culture about what bipolar actually is. Most people think, oh, well, Austin might be good on Friday and he's bad on Sunday. Um, it's, it's a thing where it just goes day by day. But actually, for those that have been diagnosed by a psychiatrist, not just by TikTok, uh, when they've been diagnosed with bipolar, it actually runs in seasons. Okay. So um, if you've been diagnosed with bipolar 2, which is those who tend to be more depressed, what that means is you have had a month or so or longer of a depressed period followed by a more elevated period. Okay. So I'll have people come up to me after church and I'm like, Austin, I think I've got bipolar. I was really happy on Thursday. And then uh, my cat got lost and I got really sad. Uh, and then a couple days later, I was really sad. And then I got happy again once we found them. And I'm like, that's a cat thing, not a, right. not a, a psychological thing right. necessarily. Yeah. Because bipolar isn't something that's like the rain or the weather, even though we might say, oh, the weather's so bipolar today, which is okay. The truth is, is that bipolar is something that's seasonal. And I think that's really important for people to hear, mm-hmm. whether uh, you're struggling with bipolar or anxiety or depression, because it breaks my heart when people are struggling with something. Like, let's say if they lost a family member and they're like, oh my goodness, am I clinically depressed? Mm-hmm. If you lose a family member, you're absolutely going to be sad yeah. and you're going to have symptoms of depression. But m- the difference between mental health, which is your general well-being... And mental illness is mental illness is something that's chronic. Mm-hmm, mental right. health is something that you can improve quite right. easily with therapy, with friends, with prayer, with the Bible. Right. All that to say, I was a depressed kid at times. Uh, when I was a teen, I was like a lot of teens. When I got broken up with, I was depressed. When I was in a relationship, I was happy. And that's the normal ebbs and flows of life. Yeah. But for me, uh, the moment where I knew that something was wrong was when I was 20 years old. Uh, I had just actually turned 20. So in January, February, March, something was terribly wrong in my life. So I had just turned 20, going into your 20s. It's a stressful time of life. I had been married only for six months at that time. And just being brutally honest, uh, I wasn't myself. Like my friends knew who Austin White was. And they looked at me and they said, Austin, you are not yourself. I was paranoid. Um, I wasn't sleeping. I would only sleep for two or three hours a night and I'd feel totally fine myself, but everybody was looking at me and saying, Austin, something's wrong. Um, and that's where the bipolar one diagnoses came in. So was at that point, um, although that was clearly the most extreme case at that point, was that, um, were there times prior to that, that were maybe kind of hinting in that direction or was did that just sort of just come out of nowhere like outside of the regular ebbs and flows of and that's the challenging thing Spence because because I say I would say that there was hints but the tough question uh for psychiatrists counselors doctors everybody is how do you differentiate when somebody's in a really good mood yeah and when they're struggling with mental illness right so for instance um most people and and maybe i'm speaking to people that have been diagnosed with bipolar before and i know that there's people in my church and people at many churches that that have been diagnosed for the average bipolar patient it takes seven to ten years to diagnose them correctly why is that because oftentimes it'll masquerade as perhaps adhd right perhaps it'll uh, masquerade itself as depression perhaps it'll masquerade itself as anxiety 
because here's the thing i was acting hyperactive <laughs> i was acting depressed I was acting anxious mm -hmm. and I was acting like I was on drugs <laughs> because when you're hypomanic, which is the lower le level of mania, which you can be hypomanic and be highly successful. Right. That's, that's the issue, right? Is a lot of people have these underlying symptoms, but they're too afraid to talk to anybody. about Right. It. And the unfortunate thing is that it then takes an extreme thing to happen yes. in order for change to come. Right. Yes. You, you almost have like, people will then wait until like the bottom falls out completely yeah. where dramatic things happen. So it's hard, it's harder to hit the preventative, yep. you know, before you get to that, that point. Yeah. And, and we call that risk factors. So whether you're a, a pastoral counselor or a therapeutic counselor, it's called risk factors. And the more risk factors that you have in your life, the higher the chance of a mental illness surfacing. So you're spot on because there might be people that they have, uh, they have kind of low level symptoms, but it's fine. Like everything's going well. Cause the bottom line with mental illness is the goal is quality of life. Right. And, and I think that's something that maybe I've forgotten in my journey Right. is that it's so important for me to ask myself in my discipleship with Jesus, how's my discipleship with Jesus going? How's my quality of life and mm -hmm. how is my mental illness uh, affecting that? Right. So when I was 19 going on 20, everybody knew that something was off. Um, it all culminated in the first week of March when I was like running 20 kilometers a week. Um, I was operating probably in a four or five day span on, man, like uh, may maybe a max of 10 hours of sleep. Like I was just all nighter after all nighter after wow. all nighter. And I was up writing and I was creative. And, and fun fact, Kanye West actually has been diagnosed with bipolar one. Really? So so some of the stuff you see on his Twitter or his it's Instagram. Say, okay, it makes sense. It's it's a manic episode. And, right. and I can't diagnose, but he's even said that. He says, hey, I'm going off my meds. And then and then you see him right. the fruit, you see the fruit of that, right? Yeah. And and for him, anyway, we'll 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 pause that for now. But all that to say, some of the stuff that just doesn't make sense for a normal follower of Jesus to do. Um with staying up all night like probably the most drastic story is uh because i was so far down the rabbit hole not realizing that it was mania I, I literally went to the airport thinking that that i had a flight wow. and i didn't have a flight i, I was at the airport at four wow. in the morning and I, I share that to say for people listening uh whether it's uh right when i'm sharing this in 2023 or or, or in the months to come that I, I share that to get vulnerable and say that there's things that are kind of normal when you're happy and then there's mental illness. There's things that are normal when you're sad, and then there's mental illness. So I share that to say that if things are very erratic, they don't make logical sense, they seem to be not of the fruit of the Spirit, then we have to ask ourselves what's exactly going on there. Yeah. If it's not the fruit of the Spirit or the gifts of the Spirit here, uh, the fruit of the Spirit isn't me showing up to the airport at 4, p 4 a.m. Right. Um, so I share that just to be, be honest and say, if there's something that's highly concerning to your friends, family, coworkers, maybe it's time to take a look. And it's, I mean, that, that pushes the point too of how important it is to not be afraid to seek help in, in yeah. even situations where you're not sure to have somebody who's a professional walk you through that yep. and, and be able to help you, you know, point those things out when you're not sure, or even the people around you. I mean, you know, somebody that's not a professional sure can give advice and be like, you know, Hey Austin, that's not really normal. Yeah. But there's also situations where if somebody who is a professional had eyes on it, yeah. they much more easier could 
help navigate that and pinpoint what was what, right? Exactly. And I think uh, in 2023, part of the issue that we have is the deterioration of trust in our society, right? And it it really hits home on a lot of what we're talking here, yeah. talking about here rather. Um, things are deteriorating at a pretty rapid rate when it comes to trust of pastors, trust of doctors, trust of counselors, trust of friends, trust of family, because of a lot of the things that's been happening in our society in the last 5, 10, 15 years. Yeah. So I say all that to say that um, just like a priest can't share the secrets of his of his congregation i'm only going to share my story but maybe a couple anecdotal stories from people that over the years i know have struggled with mental illness and and the fruit of some of their struggle especially when it comes to their faith right because i hear people say all the time oh i'm not going to get help from a doctor because i'm trying to lean on the spirit and i said this in my message on friday night why can't the spirit help you through a pastor? Absolutely. Why can't the spirit help you through a doctor? Why can't the spirit work through medication? Because just like Paul in his epistle, uh, not only in second Corinthians, but he spattered this throughout his epistles. He said, I pled with the Lord to take whatever this thing was away from me. We don't know what the thorn was. It could be, um, purity temptation it could be a mental thing it could be a physical thing some people wonder if it was his eye whether it was his eyesight but i think the reason we don't know what paul's thorn was so that it's so that pastors like us congregants volunteers people that love jesus can look at that and maybe relate with it a little bit absolutely and he pled with the lord three times he said lord take this away from me and god said i won't yeah. Uh, because my my strength is made perfect in weakness, and for me, I'll die on that hill. Yeah, I'll argue theology about that verse all day, every day, uh, which is quite rare for me. I'm I'm not one to argue theology or really get into it with people. Yeah, but I'll argue and die on that hill because when you point the finger at people and say it's your fault that you're not healed in the name of Jesus. What you're doing is that's John three seventeen, where Jesus said, "I did not come to condemn the world; I came to save it." Yeah. And if there are people that were sick within Jesus's peripheral, there were a lot of people that were healed. Mm. But if Paul, who called himself both the least and the greatest, if, if Paul wasn't healed, then how dare you look at somebody and say, you're not getting healed as a faith issue. Yeah. And I'm, I'm strong on that, man. Yeah. I get and pretty as fired you up. should be, man. And, and we are too, you know, like there, I mean, the reality is, is there are things within the Christian world, within theology that, you know, we just don't have all the answers for. And so there's things that we need to hold in tension. Yeah. Right. That there's we nuance. Don't, like, ex- absolutely. Because we 100% know that God heals and we are going to believe that. And we 100% know that God uses suffering in the pain yeah. of this world for his glory and for his purpose. And we don't understand the in-between of it, but we know these are both realities that we hold in tension. Right. And, and through the process you know, we trust in him and we believe that he sees things that we don't see and, and he's going to walk us through, you know, he, he didn't promise a world of, you know, flowers that did, and daisies that didn't have trouble, yeah. but he promised us himself. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and that's the beautiful thing about what it means to be a follower of Christ. And, you know, through this series, we've, we've been talking heavily on the reality of it's so important to talk about our spiritual health, our emotional health, our physical health, our relational health in the context of one another, because when, you know, when we are um, 
first and foremost, having our spiritual health as our foundation, then we understand that as we pursue health within, you know, our mental and emotional state and our physical health and our physical health, that like the spirit is going to help us walk through that. And so, for instance, if you're if you're working towards spiritual health and you go see a counselor or you go see a professional, think about all the more that you're going to get out of that time yes. as you are walking in the spirit yes. and they're walking you through and things. And you test right? it, right? Absolutely. You, tell, you say, God, is this for me? Totally. Yeah. And that's why it's so important that they work together. Yeah. So, yeah. So you're, so you're um, kind of at this pinnacle part, this time in your life. Yeah. What happens then? Yeah. So uh, for me, I got in the hospital for anywhere from 10 to 12 days. Sometimes the, sometimes my memory fails me on that. And, and again, like I, I really want people to know that I was inpatient, um, not impatient, but in dash patient. Right. Uh, because again, there's so much stigma. Like people think that their life is over as soon as they decide to get help and are in the hospital for a couple of days. Yeah. And honestly, man, I'm, I'm speaking from a place of, of vulnerability and weakness there saying that, like I talked to some of my mentors and I said, guys, gals, do you, do you know of anybody who's a pastor and is still in ministry and has, has struggled with mental illness this bad? And person after person after person. And I looked in the eye and I said, I really want you to be honest with me. Do you know of anybody? And I had person after person say, no, I, I don't know of a lot of people that have gone through this and made it through. Mm. And talk about discouraging. Talk about deflating. Talk about something that just, like I, I would be praying to God and I said, God, can I do this? Like, am I, am I still called? Lord, I, I know, I know that when I was 12 years old and I was praying and I said, God, I, I want to serve you for the rest of my life. I know that, that you impressed on me that I was supposed to be on mission for you for the rest of my life. And, and I just begged and I pleaded and I cried. Like, I can tell you exactly what worship songs I was listening to. Like, I can point you to the exact album by United Pursuit that I would listen to over and over and over again. And after all this happened, I probably had about six months. Like I was at the highest high. Like if you've ever been on a roller coaster or experienced uh, just some beautiful moments in life, just high exhilaration, that was me the March of 2017. And then just imagine from from May until October, I was at the lowest point I had ever been in my life. Wow. Because um, just like the scripture says, like the higher... The pride, the bigger the fall, I believe, is in Proverbs. Don't quote me. Um, for me, with bipolar, and this is true of many people with bipolar, the higher you go mentally, like into the mental illness, the lower the crash into the depression. So I had six months of, of just terrible, terrible, terrible pain. I, I remember I looked at my friend Caleb, and I said, Caleb, I don't feel loved. I don't feel called. And, and I'll never forget him looking across me. He said, Austin, like, we will always be brothers in Christ. But on that same token, I remember um, a pastor who I really look up, looked up to. He, he had his car at the garage and he said, Austin, do you mind giving me a drive? So I drove him over there and we were talking. He said, Austin, how are you? And I, I was just really honest with him. I said, I'm really depressed. Like I, I find it tough to get up in the morning. I just, like I went from getting up at six in the morning and doing my devotions to I couldn't drag myself out of bed at mm. eight in the morning eight or nine in the morning and, and he looked at me and he said, Austin, if you keep praying, God will heal you. 
and I can tell you the place that I prayed. I can tell you how many times I prayed. I, I would argue. Yeah. I can tell you the worship songs I pl- prayed. I can I can show you, um, just the full nine yards. And I remember I was in October, and I said, I I, I guess I don't have faith, and I, I literally questioned my salvation mm. because of a poorly chosen word from somebody that I trusted. And, yeah. and this this isn't anybody in Canada. This is nobody in Moncton. It really this is somebody that that. Uh, it's not anybody that anybody can think of, so yeah, I don't yeah, mind yeah. sharing this. Sure. Um, but that was such a pivotal moment in my faith, and, and I would argue I didn't lose faith, but I I can empathize with David when he was in the cave, and he said, my God, my God, where are you? Mm. Uh, he felt betrayed. He felt hurt. He felt, uh, he said, God, I, I don't know where you are. Now, I'm going to make a pivot in saying this. Sometimes I don't love when people focus all of the time on the bad stuff, on the past and the present. you got to focus on the promise and the future of God. And um, eventually I realized, okay, I'm not feeling any better. I was able to get on the right medication. I was able to get therapy. I had a group of brothers that kept me accountable. Every Saturday morning at 7 in the morning, we would uh, we would meet and we would talk about our mental health, about our uh, practices of the way of Jesus. We would talk about meditation, fasting. Uh, we would talk about uh, prayer walks, prayer runs, prayer in solitude. Uh, and, and to this day, I can list those guys to you because we're, we're still in touch. Yeah, that's amazing. And what I realized is, okay, I needed to do what I could do in order for God to meet me where I was at and do what only he can do. Yeah. Amen. And, and that was the bottom line for me of, okay, what, what is stopping me from taking medication? Just like, I don't think that people who have cancer should refuse medication. I'm not going to refuse medication. Just like people with diabetes shouldn't refuse medication. I'm not going to refuse medication. So I took medication and helped me. Uh, I didn't gain weight. I didn't have adverse side effects. And for many people, it takes one or two or three or four tries to get the right medication. For yep. me, it only took two tries. Was it fun? Absolutely not. Um, but I got it. Mm. And I'm on that same medication here almost six years later. And and my quality of life is so high, not purely because of the medication, but because of scripture, because of God's power, because of his presence. And the fact that I didn't have mentors of mine saying, Austin, get off your medication because you don't have enough faith. They said, mm. actually stay on your medication. And God is going to work through that. Mm. God will heal. God will work. And he might not do it instantaneously like we all want. But God will do it when you get on your knees every morning. Yeah. God will do it when you do weekly Bible studies. God will do it when you show up to Nova Nights uh, and, and worship him. God will do it when you stay plugged in with a local body. Yeah. And, and through all of these practices of the way of Jesus, I... I experienced physical health, spiritual health, uh, spiritual renewal, physical renewal. Like it was incredible what the Holy Spirit did mm. in that time, and it wasn't a snap of the fingers at a service. For some, it is, but for many of us, it's the daily discipleship. Mm. It's the Lord take away this thorn. And God says, no, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Amen. I love the phrase that you keep saying there, the the way of Jesus. And I think that puts a lot of like, that puts a lot of, even just that phrase puts a lot of practicality into what we had mentioned at the start about the fact that a good mentality comes through Jesus, but the way of Jesus, right? And you listed off a lot of those things of, you know, walking with people, the accountability, the Bible study, the prayer, the, you know, just the intentionality, all all of these things. It's not 
none of those are just like one guaranteed perfect pill for, you know, a lack of a better term that's going to just fix it. It's the medication. It's the walking with him. It's the prayer. It's all of these things. It's, it's this, um, holistic approach of, you know, walking and I'm not saying Jesus took medication, but I'm just saying, you know, the, the, but they didn't have it back then. Right. Right. Exactly. I just wanted to kind of clear that in case somebody tried to like, wait, are you saying that he didn't take medication? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But, um, but it's those, uh, yeah, it's, it's living with that intentionality in our spiritual lives of the way of Jesus. Yeah. You know what he did, how he walked on this earth, how he operated in this world right and he gives us the perfect example of how to how to do that well then what's the definition of craziness doing the same thing over and over again expecting a different result so if you're doing everything that god's calling you to do and and you're still not getting a different result in, in rugby we say that we we need to figure something out okay right because <laughs> because I, I play rugby and if, if you're doing the same thing over and over and over again and it's an 80 minute game and the score is zero zero and you only have 10 minutes left, you, you've got to switch something up. Right. And, and what if the Holy Spirit, he wants to work through group counseling mm-hmm. and celebrate recovery? Mm-hmm. Can I get an amen from my celebrate recovery people listening to this? Like, I, I wonder if people don't go to celebrate recovery because they think it's unspiritual. Mm. I wonder if people don't go to celebrate recovery because they're like, well, no, the, go- the gospel only. All I need to do is read the gospel yeah. on my own. Dude, I... But, because I, I used to lead Celebrate Recovery, yeah. and no one would ever know who I'm talking about. Somebody came one night, and uh, they came with a couple people and um, you know brought some, some people within their, their fellowship. And uh, he posted on Facebook later, there's only one step, referring to the 12 steps, because 12 steps you know, is what Celebrate Recovery goes there's by. Only like, there's only step. one step. And I'm like, oh, okay. oh no, <laughs> okay. that was all he put. There's only one step. No, I can't okay. remember what, but, what but else that was he said, the bottom line. but you know what I'm saying yeah, yeah, yeah. of what he was trying well, to communicate in that message. And I was like, well, you know, that's easy for you to just say yeah. in the midst of yeah. whatever you're going through in life. But for the person that, you know, was up against it, if they knew that they're like, if it was that clear cut and that just boom, one step, whether it's say a prayer and all is good. You know, Listen, there would be a lot of people who are a lot better off today if it was as simple as that. I might get in trouble here, but the, 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 here's the truth. Go for it, dude. Here's the truth. When people are doing great and are doing incredible in their walk with the Lord, and, and I think we're all guilty of it if, if we just really look deep and, and ask God, reveal the secrets of my heart. When we're doing good, we like to say, yeah, I, I did this. Yeah, well, absolutely. And, and here's what we do. Like, here's how we mask it. When we feel like we're doing really great, we go, oh, I get up at five in the morning every morning. And those people that aren't, they've got to pull themselves up by their bootstraps and just do a little bit better. Yeah. And that creeps into the church so easily. And mm-hmm. and, and I just want to say, in case somebody wasn't paying attention, I'm not saying that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I love what my friend, uh, you, you and I both know Spencer Conway in Halifax. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget because him and I played basketball together when we were eight. So like we've, we've known one another for a really long time. And I'll never forget something that he said to me when, when we were teens, he was starting to preach and, and the Lord was really moving in his life. He started preaching when he was 16, 15 or 16. And he said to me, he said, Austin, I see people that go up to the altar every single week and they're gossiping with their friends on their way back to their seat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes I wonder if mentally we do that. 
we go up to the altar every week and we get that high, like that, that, uh, that, that church high, you mm. know what I mean? Like we feel really good. And then we go home and our depression is worse than ever. And, um, I, I never like you, I don't, I don't share names unless I can, mm. but in a different circumstance, years after that, I was talking to somebody that I was mentoring and trying to disciple and, and just a discipling relationship. And they told me, they said, I can't take medication because, um, the people that are influential in my life won't let me. Mm. And I said, listen, you just told me that you've been struggling with this for four years. And again, the definition of craziness is doing the same thing over and over again. And I said, I see how often you go to church. Mm. I see you highlight Bible verses on the YouVersion Bible app. You've confessed the different things in your life that you need to do. Like literally check mark after check mark after check mark. Not that following Jesus is a checklist, but but he was doing it. Yeah. And, and struggling with, with thoughts of uh, just terribly dark thoughts, struggling with um, just all of the above when it came to depression. And eventually, a pro, like a couple, a couple years later, he, he took medication. And listen, I'm so proud of this person. They're doing things for the Lord that you can't even imagine. Yeah. Not just in their specific region, but, but further. Yeah. And uh, I just want to jump for joy. And, yeah. and really, that on a on a different way or on a different level is, is a bit of my story, which is the fact that I still have highs and lows. Mm-hmm. I still need to emphasize my health. You talk about the series that you guys are going through. Um, sometimes I think that we're so scared of new age because new age is opposite of the gospel that we forget the importance of the fact that the gospel talks about holistic health. Absolutely. All the time. I think there's just like something about that word. People holistic, like, no, health holistic just means as, wholeness. Like, entirety the of root, something <laughs> the root word the root word is in scripture yeah okay and that the the issue is new age is a 50 year old idea yeah, yeah yeah holistic health is a 2000 year old idea but not even it was in the torah right right like it's in the mishnah yeah. like our roots as christians uh like we interpret the old testament through the lens of the new testament and all throughout scripture it talks about holistic health uh and we can't forget that that's one of the reasons i know sometimes uh uh, people will quote John Mark Comer out of context and, and right. uh, different different philosophies and things. But yeah. one of his books, he talks about the importance of holistic health in tandem with spiritual warfare, yeah. in tandem Absolutely. with the importance of drawing close to God. Like his his totally. book, God Has a Name. Yeah. Incredible. Well, I mean, the reality is like we know what it's like to be tired and not feel like doing something. And it's like you're not any more spiritual if you just force yourself to do a spiritual thing even though you're tired. Yeah, sure, we need to like push through. Don't get me yeah. wrong. But it's also very much logical and God-ordained for us to just be like, you know what? I just got to go to bed at 10 o'clock. Yes, sir. <laughs> and tomorrow I'll probably be able to, you know, enter into some of these other things a lot easier, right? Our physical health, and that's why... Within, Every week, bro. Every week that happens. Yeah. Yeah. So tell, talk to me. I was going to bring this up. Yeah. So in your message, you talked about Jeeps. Jeeps yeah. or Jeeps? Jeeps. 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 What is Jeeps? What's that an acronym for? So acronym, is that right? Acronym, yes. Yeah, okay. So listen, I, I just need to be totally transparent. So whenever I talk about something like that in a sermon, I always tell the source, right? Okay. Um, so with that, it's John Acuff. Yeah. Uh, he's the one that talked about Jeeps. Um, I reviewed his book... Uh, a couple weeks ago when I preached, I reviewed his book three months ago when, when we first kind of went through that. I can't remember what Jeeps stands for because I'm like ADHD sometimes. Okay. So, uh, but the, the bottom line is Jeeps. Do you remember? So it's Jesus Jesus eat exercise. Yeah. Jesus exercise eat. I can't remember what 
Um, prayer? No, it's not P, prayer. I think is... F- physical health? I think P, I don't know what the word we'll is, it but it's got notes. to do with relationships, I'm pretty sure. And then S is sleep. Yes. So and Jesus, exercise, eat, relationships, and sleep, essentially. Like and those are the... And to be yeah. brutally uh, transparent, uh, Jeeps isn't typically the acronym, because I just learned about Jeeps three months ago. Okay. So it's fresh, so that's why I use it in the sermon. <laughs> but the acronym that I've used since I heard it uh, about six years ago is FINE. You ask people how they're doing on a Sunday morning, what do they say? I'm, I'm fine. Right. And when you're just fine, that's the opposite of what Jesus says in John 10, 10. He says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I, Jesus, come to bring life and life to the full. Right. So when you're just fine, why is that? Right. And and it's, so Jeeps is in the positive, fine is in the negative, right? So we'll drop Jeeps in the show notes, and the, the book is uh, My New Playlist by John Acuff, but fine, I can't give a credit for that other than Pastor Reed DeVries, who's the one who preached it. And fine stands for uh, when you're saying that you're fine, um, you're fired up. So some, and, and that's not in a good way. So right. you're fired up. Maybe you're pent up about something. You're you're holding onto a grudge. Uh, you've uh, you're still hurt over something that Pastor Spencer or Pastor Austin said to you a year ago, but you never talked to him about it. Um, so you're fired up. Uh, I stands for you're isolated. When people are isolated. Mm. Let me tell you, like when, when I see somebody and they're not coming to Moncton Wesleyan Youth or Moncton Wesleyan or, or any of our gatherings, small group, I, I always reach out to them and I say, who's discipling you and where, like, who's your shepherd? Yeah. Like, where are you being discipled and who's your shepherd? And if they say, oh, well, I, I went here. Awesome. Like, like we, we will desperately miss you, <laughs> but, but you need community. Okay. Um, but the flip side of that, when somebody stops coming to a local church body and they're going nowhere, mm. that is a dangerous spot to be, bucko, <laughs> let yeah. me tell you. Yeah. So fine is you're fired up, uh, you're isolated, um, N is you need to eat. <laughs> um, there's people that they feel sick when they eat too much. There's people that feel sick when they only eat a coffee or sorry, drink a coffee and then they don't eat anything until 2 p.m. Right. You can see who those people are. You yeah, see yeah, them yeah. driving on Mountain Road. And you just know that they haven't had breakfast. Okay? Right. So, so that's one thing. Nutrition, like on. nutrition is so important, Absolutely. right? And I'm guilty because when I'm at a low place, I eat too much and I'm lethargic and I'm yucky and I don't have any energy. When I'm, when I'm elevated, I don't eat enough. Right. And that's why Jess will ask me, my wife, Jess, uh, we've been married uh, as long as uh, we were in South Dakota. So going on seven years now. Uh, or three years in South Dakota and three years here in Moncton. And she'll always say like, Austin, what have you eaten today? And that's her way of saying, hey, I love you. You're kind of being weird right now. <laughs> or not even weird, but uh, touchy or uh, passive aggressive, or she can just tell I'm off. Mm. Because if you've had, like the average human uh, female tends to burn 1,200 calories a day. Uh, the average human male tends to burn 1,500 calories a day baseline. Baseline, yeah. So if you're eating less than 12 or 1,500 calories a day, uh, you're in a deficit and you're pretty much fasting. Yeah. <laughs> like you've got to make sure. And I mean, just this is a huge sidebar, but I mean, fasting is so important for spiritual health, but you have to talk to Spencer Mason about it first. <laughs> you have to talk to uh, Pastor Paul about it first. You have to talk to somebody yeah, it's because nuts. it's a spiritual endeavor. And you shouldn't just do it all willy nilly of like, I'm going to fast for 30 days. Can you do that? Technically. 
but, but you need a, a spiritual director. And there's yes. preparation that's involved. Yes, you to do need that a spiritual director. Properly. We're not talking about Daniel Fast, yeah. but I mean, honestly, if you're Willard, if you're D- Dallas Willard, sure, fast for 40 days because he has. Yeah, and, but, and even shorter fasts as well, because the yeah. problem is, is you you go into it, and you're not prepared, and then you quote unquote fail don't do what you wanted. And then you become discouraged and you think, you know, you throw the whole practice out because it's like, Oh, it didn't go the way that I wanted to. Right. So yeah. Yeah. Good plug. It's yeah. Good. Yeah. For real. And I mean, Dallas Willard, Holy buckets. Like he, uh, so if, if anybody's just wondering like w- some of the stuff that, that Spencer and I are talking about, like I would say a huge influence is the celebration of discipline by Foster who was mentored by Dallas Willard. Mm-hmm. And if you just want, like you could read the celebration of discipline, no exaggeration in five hours but each chapter touches on one of the disciplines that Jesus did throughout his ministry in, his, in three years. Wow. And the reason I like it is because when I was 14, it was given to me by uh, Pastor Daniel Mansfeld, who, who pastors in Halifax right now. Uh, and he wasn't a pastor at the time. I was 13. He was 16 or, or something in that range. He gave it to me and I read it. and I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Then I read it again in two years and I was like, this is the most profound book I've ever read (laughs) because it's just all scripture Mm -hmm. of this is what Jesus did and here's how you can do it. Mm. So fine is fired up. It's isolated. It's you need to eat uh, and E is exclusive. And what exclusive stands for is when you're bearing the weight of the world on your shoulders. Okay. So if somebody, if you're trying to disciple somebody and it's exclusive, Mm -hmm. we don't do things in isolation or in exclusive exclusivity because some people are like oh well i'm not isolated i'm just exclusive like i have three uh friends in my inner circle and that's all that i hang out with that's heresy mm. <laughs> like that, that's that's how like the heresy in the first and second century popped up right is when people became so exclusive yeah that, that they, they didn't weren't... have any accountability to their ideas well then think about it right what happens when it's me and the holy spirit locked in a room together mm. could i technically not go off the wall Maybe, (laughs) but, uh, Jesus never meant for us to go through discipleship alone. Like you need people that can call you on your crap. Okay. Like I, if I say a wacky idea, uh, like, uh, Kenneth Copeland's the best ever. I need Spencer Mason to tell me Austin. You did say that too. And I had to, yeah, it's true. This is, this is a real story (laughs) or, or Joel Osteen, right? Like if, if I'm like Joel Osteen is the only preacher that I listen to, Spencer should probably whisper in my ear saying, Austin, you probably should have a diet of not just Joel, but, uh, (laughs) myself, uh, maybe some, some guys, we're getting scandalous now. (laughs) Some people like John Piper. I mean, listen, like some of the greats of the faith. And I mean, let's talk about your diet. I mean, you've got to read scripture, but you also need to read the early church fathers and mothers, uh, people like Brother Lawrence, oh, uh, people classic. like Augustus, people, because what's tough is sometimes we get so wrapped up in what's happening in 2023 yeah. that we, we forget, forget that, that people before us had amazing ideas. It's like when I'm in the gym and uh, I get so wrapped up in the difficulty of what I'm doing or like running, I'm like, it's really difficult and I just need to be like, okay, remember those that have gone before me. Like Mark Schulliker, he, he mm-hmm. runs marathons, right? And sometimes I'll think, okay, Mark didn't give up. What do I need to do in order to, to be a little bit more like Mark? And then obviously you're the, you're the role model for everybody lifting everywhere. Right. So <laughs> it's uh noble lifts. Right. And I mean, that was in my sermon. So, so I'm allowed to say it on the podcast as well, it's but GT fitness, it's not Nova lifts, GT fitness, get it right. Holy spirit lifts or what, what was it? We were talking about a couple different options. Uh, it I was, can't remember. Uh, there is a good uh, liturgical lifting, uh, glad tidings gains. Um, 
There was there, there's a lot of options yeah. here. I hope whoever your uh, your t-shirt person is that they're taking notes right now. <laughs> like we we gotta listen. I'll pitch in. I'll do some seed money. Okay, so. sure, but, sure. But but all that to say, when we talk about Jesus only, and that's one of the places that I landed. You can misinterpret that and say, oh, well, that means that it's just me and Jesus when it comes to my mental health. Yeah, yeah. But ultimately, Jesus is the hope of the world. He said uh, in John 3, 16, I mean, everybody everybody knows it. Like, at the end of the day, that's what that's what we need. We need John 3, 16. We need John 10, 10. We need Galatians 5, 22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. We need all that. And it's through the gospel. It's through Jesus. It's through his power. But all the stuff that we've been talking about today, if we yeah. neglect that, yeah, if we say absolutely. Jesus only, so doctors suck, Jesus only, so I won't go to counseling, Jesus only, so I won't listen to Pastor Spencer, no. Yeah. Like you need to remember fine. Yeah. You, you need to absolutely. remember that. Yeah. And I'll, I'll say this as like, uh, and some people are going to know who I'm talking about too, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> and I'm totally fine with this. But I mean, this is a young adult podcast. Yeah. And so there's some clear things that we need to like get straight and we need to be like, do better with <laughs> and this is me being being a little bit over the top pastor but for instance like in some of these things especially to do with like our physical um our physical habits things that are easy that we can actually have control over like so many people come to me and be like yeah i went to bed at 4 a.m last night and i'm like dude why oh, i don't know i was just like no Jesus did that twice, and his men, <laughs> and in the entire three years, he did it twice. Yes, that's why all nighters are unbiblical. Right, there you go. Absolutely, <laughs> we said it. We said it. But I mean, there's there's some definite things yep. that as a young adult, someone in your twenties, like early twenties specifically, like life is in transition, and there there are crucial, easy things that we can begin to implement into our life that yep. is going to just be revolutionary for our spiritual walk, for our mental health, for all these things. Yeah, that just takes small little tweaks, diet sleep, exercise, exercise, even if it's a walk. Absolutely. Consistency of schedule to a certain degree. And and now obviously when you are, if you're in university or if you're working a job that has shift work, there's going to be nuances to all that hundred percent. So not like going against anything like that, but there comes a point where you just got to be like, okay, I'm going to get myself onto a regular sleep schedule. I'm going to get myself onto a regular meal, not meal plan in the sense of planning out everything you eat, but consistency of when you're going to eat and all that stuff. And, and that alone will make the world of a difference in so many ways. So that's just my, that's my, (laughs) you guys know who I'm talking about. We've had these conversations. (laughs) So it's true, man. I mean, I mean, listen, you don't need to preface it. It's true. And, and I, I mean, listen, I I think the bottom line, like maybe I'm, maybe I'll come off a little bit stronger (laughs) is people when they graduate college need to stop acting like they're in college. Yeah, absolutely. Be- because you can get away with Doritos for four years, kind of. Yeah. And you shouldn't though. Like, you can get away with it. Well, well listen, listen, we got we to gotta temper it back a little bit here. Like Doritos and Mountain Dew for four years will cause some long-term uh, things. But like once you hit that 22, 23 and you graduate, um, man, I, I think about what Paul wrote to Timothy and – and some of the things that he wrote, yeah. older guy to younger guy, was kind of sharp. Like if I had my lead pastor say some of the things Paul said to Timothy to me, I think I can speak for both of us and say that it's pretty stern. Like yeah. it's a stern tone. And sometimes I, I feel like just like, you know, how grade uh, grade 12s will sometimes do a victory lap. 
sometimes I feel like our young adults are doing victory laps for one, two, seven years. Guys, we love bro. you. We do. We do. We love you so much. We do. But the two, the two a.m. That's the beauty of getting married young. I'm not advocating um, for for that always. But you have to grow up really fast. Yeah, for sure. And because, I mean, there's only so many nights that I can stay up until one in the morning with a wife. And she's like, Austin, I can't sleep if you're staying up playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I get it that you're 20 years old, but you got to cut it out. Yes. (laughs) It's a funny story there. That's that's a real example. That's a real example. (laughs) 20 20 years old and Assassin's Creed. Winston McCabe knows what I'm talking about. So anyway. So let's um, let's wrap up with this. Yeah. Um, I want you to give... I want you to give just kind of your final remarks, and then I want to get you to pray. Yeah. Um, I want you to give your final remarks in in the sense of like encouragement um, and speaking life into anybody who feels like they're um, not necessarily in the place that that you were at your at your kind of peak of um, you know the diagnosis and everything, but just in general. I mean whether it be severe, not severe. I mean, there's, there's a spectrum um, and, and we don't diminish the, the spectrum, right? Like if it's, if it's um, maybe not as extreme as your case, it doesn't mean yeah. that it's not, um, that it's any less important. Yeah, it's very so important. just anybody that finds himself in this place of just struggling with their, their mental health, um, their mental state, and um, wondering how to move forward from this point, just speak some life and some encouragement into that, and then just and then just pray. Yeah, we'll I love close it. it with that. Yeah, well, anytime that I, I speak or I, I podcast or I'm talking to people, like I, I, I just want to share the good news. I just want to share the gospel. And sometimes the good news and the gospel is tough. Like Jesus talked about hell a lot in there. He talked about the enemy coming to steal, kill, and destroy. And that doesn't mean that I'm going to talk about hell and, and my encouraging conversations. But I, I say all that to say that when I'm encouraging people, whether it's podcasts or preaching, like I, I have specific people in mind. Yeah. And obviously, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say your name, but but I, I really hope that some of these verses and some of these encouragements that they they land with people that are listening to this, whether they're sitting at their desk or they're in their car or they're just listening to it at two in the morning and saying, Oh, maybe I should go to sleep. But my, my encouragement would be just that John 10, 10, what we talked about. Jesus didn't say the enemy is gone forever. And he tried to steal, kill and destroy Jesus in all of his power while he was on earth said the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. Right. He didn't say, the enemy is only right here right now and he's going to steal like the enemy's active and he prowls around like a roaring lion life sucks and i don't say that in a stern way i say that in like an empathetic way of life sucks life is hard we've got friends who die we've got family members who pass away we've got everything that can seem as minuscule as 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 a failed essay but that can be huge. That can mm. really affect your mental health to young adults that tell me that they just lost a pet or, or a, a distant family member or a grandfather. So the full spectrum of emotion and, and what I tell people is emotions can't dictate our lives, but they're real. Right. It's good. And, and I think some people in, in the church need to hear that and I need to hear it mm. because I can be guilty of when somebody says, I'm really sad, so I'm doing this, of with the firm hand of justice saying, don't let your emotions uh, control you. That's not what people who are depressed need to hear. Yeah. 
people who are hurting don't need you to judge them and condemn them. They need somebody just like Jesus to come alongside them and, and say, listen, you're, you're really hurting right now. I can see, I can see that, that you're at this well, and the reason that you're at this well in John chapter 4 is mm. because nobody else is here right now. Yeah. You're, fi- you're like you're F-I-N-E. Uh, you're fired up. You're isolated. Maybe you need to eat, and you're exclusive. The woman at the well. Mm. A rabbi was not supposed to talk to a woman of her caliber, mm. but he went and he talked to her in, in the tough places, in the rough places, us as pastors, leaders, young adults, anybody, if you're struggling, find somebody like Pastor Spencer, find some people at Nova Young Adults that are going to talk to you and, and not condemn and complain about you, but they're going to walk alongside you. If you're on the flip side of that and you're doing really well, oh my goodness, you better text people once a day. Yeah, that's good. You, you, better, you better make a note in your phone to text people once a week and say, I just want to remind you of 2 Timothy 1.7 where it says God didn't fill us with a spirit uh, of fear or a, a spirit of anxiety or a spirit of incompleteness is what one uh, translation says, but one of power, love, and a sound mind. And mm-hmm. I want you to know I'm cheering you on. I love you. Um, and, and just like Bob Goff wrote in, in Love Does, love isn't hypothetical. Love isn't, a, love isn't just a plan. It's not just something on your calendar. Love does. And love is a person, and that person is Jesus, but Jesus isn't on earth right now. Um, he's in heaven, and he's allowing the Holy Spirit to work through us. Mm. Love comes through people. Love comes through people. God can zap down his love to us, but how often does God speak through a prophetic word to somebody on a Nova night? How often does God speak through a phone call and saying, hey, brother, I, I was just thinking of you, and I, I really want to pray for you. Mm. Just this morning, Roger Reed texted me and said, Austin, I just want to let you know that you're called, you're loved, and and you're prayed for this morning. And I know that he absolutely meant it. Yeah. And uh, we need more people like that we in, love that, in the world. We love Roger. Yeah. <laughs> That's my encouragement is awesome. uh, love does, get her done, and uh, Jesus never gives up on you. Amen. Amen. We well, yeah. Let's close off by yeah. you just praying. Praying for um, just everybody that's going to be listening, yeah. whatever that may be. Well, Father God... Uh, First off, I just thank you for uh, for glad tidings and um, Pastor Paul and Pastor Spencer and just their vision for um, preaching the good news and the gospel uh, here in this city and in this region. And Holy Spirit, we just honor and praise you and all that you're doing. And God, I thank you for breath in our lungs. Lord, the reason that we're alive today is because uh, the, the, the psalm says that you allowed us to wake up this morning, that you put breath in our lungs, that you sustained us throughout the night. So we just thank you. Um, Lord, to the person that's listening to this um, right now, (laughs) to the person that's listening to this in the years to come, to the person that's listening to this a couple weeks or months from now, Lord, I, I pray that this would be a spiritual moment for them where ultimately, God, you're glorified and you're working in their lives. So Lord, I pray for healing. I pray for restoration. I pray for good health, physically, mentally, spiritually. Lord, if there's anything that we said here that uh, you want them to forget, I pray they'd forget it. And if there's anything here that uh, you want them to remember, just ask that they'd remember it. So, Father God, we, uh, we give you praise. And ultimately, we just pray how, uh, how you taught us to pray 2,000 years ago, Jesus. And that it's just uh, thy kingdom come and thy will be done here on earth, here in Moncton, here in New Brunswick, here in whoever's listening to this. This is live life as it is in heaven. 
God, we love you and we praise you. Praise this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. Make sure to follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts to not miss an episode. Leave a review, or if you're watching on YouTube, let us know your thoughts in the comments. Share this episode with your friends and follow us on social media at Nova YA Moncton to stay up to date on all that's going on. Have a great week. Thank you.